Welcome to Greyhounds Make Great Pets with Rory Garay, TJ Beater, and Kathy Garay. Each week, we talk about the connections between owners and their pets with an emphasis on topics that apply to greyhounds. If you want to hear more about your best friend, stay tuned. Now, here are your hosts. Hello, and welcome to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. We are here today at Voice America Variety, and we'd like to take a moment to express our thanks to everyone who tuned in for our premiere relaunch show last week on Voice America Variety. And I got to say, we were tickled to see listeners not only from the U.S., but Canada, France, Ireland, Sweden, China, and the U.K. Today on Greyhounds Make Great Pets, we'll be discussing adopting a retired racing greyhound from Ireland. But first, let me bring in the rest of the Roo crew. Rory! And this week, TJ can't be with us, but stepping in direct from Georgia, one peach of a guy and my favorite curmudgeon, John Parker. Hello there from Georgia. Hey, how are you? Doing great. Cool. Thank you so much for stepping in and pretending to be Tanya today. <laughs> Happy to do it. Elana, <laughs> we, um, we knew you would uh, be a great contributor to today's show. Uh, but before we get going, this week we're going to have a new little segment. It's called Your Educational Moment. And I just wanted to take a few seconds to educate the public about the greyhounds, racing greyhounds, and also actually this is uh, regarding also horse racing. But there's a myth out there that's been uh, perpetuated by people that the greyhounds, when they're at the track, spend more than 20 hours a day in a cage. First of all, the greyhounds are not in a cage. It's a crate. Second of all, they're not spending 20 hours a day locked up. There is no way you become an athlete. You, there's no way you have the muscle, the structure that they have laying around being lazy for 20 hours a day. Anyone who spends any time at a track, whether it's a greyhound track or a horse track, you see what they're doing daily. They're working them out. They're exercising. They're out for walks. They're out for sprints. They're doing all sorts of things. They're, they're turned out for their uh, many potty breaks. So, again, it's a myth. Greyhounds are not locked up in a crate cage, as some call it, for more than 20 hours. It's just a myth. And that was my educational moment for today. Why, thank you, Rory. That was very educational. <laughs> John, do you have anything you'd like to chime in on, on Rory's uh, education moment? No, he's absolutely right. I think a lot of people lose sight of the fact that greyhounds, even in pet homes, where they're typically less active than they are in racing, you know, sleep 16, 18 hours a day. That's just their nature. And, uh, and so greyhounds that are in a racing environment who are running three every three or four days in a race and also being out in the sprint field, they're going to require more rest than that because they're expending more energy. So, uh, you know, they're, they're sleeping a lot during the day, and they're in their crates for part of that time, or they're out in a turnout pen, but, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. You can't get that degree of physical fitness being locked in a cage, as they like to say, uh, 20 hours a day. It's just not physically possible. Exactly. All righty. Well, I think it's time to bring on our guests. We're going to go green. We are going green. All we right. 
<laughs> We'd like to welcome to Greyhounds Make Great Pets, Laura Simmerman, who is the founding member of F-L-I-G-H-T, FLIGHT, and that stands for Finding Loving Irish Greyhounds Homes Together. And Laura is also the Membership Development and Program Manager of the Greyhound Health Initiative. Laura, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thank you very much for inviting me to join you today. Well, thank you, and we are anxious and waiting to find out all about flight and Irish greyhounds and and what's what's going on. Right. Yeah, so um, well, let's just start off. Why don't you just tell us a little bit more about yourself and also the, the organization, and then we can get going from there. Okay, well, um, I got involved in the greyhound world back in 1998 when I adopted my first uh, greyhound. And because of him, Hoss was his name, um, I've had about 16 greyhounds in the um, ensuing 20 years. And uh, in 2005, I established an organization called Greyhound Supporters, um, and that's based in the National Capital Region of Canada, which is Ottawa. And at first, we were simply a, um, a support group for greyhounds in the Ottawa area, and we also did fundraising for um, frontline greyhound organizations. But then about... Um, Oh, about eight or nine years ago, uh, I succumbed to pressure in the community, and we started our own adoption program. So um, we've been doing adoptions um, for about 10 years here in the Ottawa area, and that's how we ended up getting involved initially with finding homes for Irish greyhounds. Wow. So back in... 2014, I was approached by an organization in Ireland that was looking to rehome Irish greyhounds here in Canada and um, in the U.S. And through that entity, we brought in three or four transports of greyhounds. So we usually brought in five at a time. And we um, found homes for them through our, our adoption and foster program. Um, for a number of reasons, we didn't continue our relationship with that entity but in um, 2016, when a bunch of us were sitting around uh, at a Kennels to Couches event in Wheeling, um, we got talking about how could we start bringing Irish Greyhounds to North America. So Tina Kelly is the founder of Flight. Uh, she was also the founder and president of the Greyhound Trust and Alliance, which is based in Toronto, Canada. And there was myself and a few others, and we got talking about how to proceed. And uh, flight was born as a result. We liked the um, acronyms. We ended up having to find words that matched it. So that's why <laughs> flying, with, and, and flying that loving Irish greyhounds homes together came about. And that was probably the hardest part. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was, yeah. yeah. And then um, in 2017, we were contacted by um, a lady in Ireland, and she was actually coming to Canada um, on behalf of the Irish Gre Retired Greyhound Trust in Ireland. And she was going to be trying to meet with different adoption groups to see if there was any way that uh, the IRGT could work with North American groups to bring Irish Greyhounds in. And so um, Bridget was um, the, the lady who came to visit with us, and she brought uh, five Greyhounds with her, and they came into the Greyhound Supporters Adoption Program. And um, that was the beginning of our relationship 
um, our flight relationship with the IRGP, and we've been going strong ever since. Excellent. Now, just, just to, to fully disclose to every, our listeners, um, we've actually, Greyhound Pets of America, we've, we've been having discussions with you guys as well about how to, you know, start bringing in a few more of these greyhounds because as we discussed on last week's show, there's there's definitely starting to be a shortage of American greyhounds available for adoption here. And I know right. when, when we originally started talking about it, a lot of people didn't really understand and these these greyhounds are really no different than our own greyhounds here in the United States, correct? That's right. There's retired racing greyhounds just like the ones in the state, yeah. Right. And, you know, and I can say that I know years ago I picked up a greyhound here in Arizona out of a pound, and he had the three-letter tattoo and two-letter, and I knew immediately he was an Irish greyhound. And I, I know, John, you could probably chime in on this, too. A lot of our own greyhounds here in the United States have Irish blood in them, or a lot of their greyhounds have American blood in them. Oh, yes. Uh, there was uh, there, there's, there have actually been Irish breeders and trainers that have uh, established racing uh, presences years ago, and they would bring Irish greyhounds over and so to, to race in their venues, and so that led to, you know, the interbreeding of the Irish and the American lines, and so, yeah, it's, it's uh, the bloodlines are very intertwined here in the U.S., so it almost... Any any American greyhound that's in your home probably has some Irish blood. Yeah, and they make just as great as pets as our regular ones do. There's really I have seen no difference in how they behave in the home versus the you pull on a dog from a United States track. They they're this they are the same thing. They're they're wonderful dogs. Um, now, Laura, could you kind of tell us take us maybe a little bit through a process of um, maybe your last batch of dogs. What does it take to bring them over? How much of an effort is that? It's not just, you know, Greyhound going down and buying a ticket and it gets on the plane. There, there's a lot of work there, right? Yes, there is a lot of work. And so what happens is there are, just like in the States, there are owners that have these dogs that are no longer um, going to be used for the racing um, circuit. So um, they are, these individuals with the owners contact the Irish Greyhound Trust and let them know that there are dogs available for the rehoming program. So the Irish Retired Greyhound Trust is, has a mandate to coordinate transport of the retired racing greyhounds into adoption agencies, or they call them rehoming agencies, and they also provide financial support towards those procedures and, of course, transportation costs. So there is an organization based in Ireland that deals with, you know, trying to help these dogs get into homes. Um, and so when we set up um, a transport, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what's involved with that, we set up a transport, um, we, our, our contact, Bridget, in Ireland, starts looking at dogs that are available to come to North America, to Canada. And we let her know what we're looking for. So generally speaking, um, when they're coming to my organization, we're looking for small dog safe. And um, I have a lot of adopters that have cats, so sometimes I'm now asking for cat safe as well. Although cat testing is not as prevalent in Ireland as it is in the States. Can um, I interject just for a minute? Is, is there a reason for that? or They just don't have 
cats around the way that uh, we do here in North America. Really? So a lot of these dogs have never even seen a cat. Um, <laughs> and so having them tested for cats, Bridget has had to find um, someone that can help her with that so that uh, we can ensure that when they're coming to Canada for our cat safe homes, that you know, at least we understand what their personalities are like a little bit. Good thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so Bridget uh, identifies the dogs, and then the dogs have to ensure that they undergo the appropriate vet procedures. So that means they are spayed or neutered, they're given a dental, and they have their immunizations and their deworming. And the dogs that are coming to Canada have to be boarded for about four weeks prior to coming so that we can ensure that they're staying in the same place and that they get all of the immunizations appropriately. Um, and then, of course, once the flight has been established, the dogs have to be transported to the airport. So on um, our part, of course, we're here in Canada, we're trying to make sure that um, we have an, an entity that will take them, an organization, so that we have two approved adoption groups here in Canada, with myself, um, which is based in sort of the east of Canada, and then we have another group that is based in western Canada, and that one is called the Northern Sky Greyhound Adoption Association. And uh, last year we set up um, an agreement with GPA Massachusetts, so GPA Massachusetts has also taken some of our Irish dogs. When the dogs are coming over, then we have a flight patron. So we have someone to whom the dogs um, are attached to their ticket. And um, the flight patron responsibilities are essentially being the person to whom the dogs are attached and then walking the dogs through customs um, when they arrive here in Canada. Um, so, uh, sorry, I'm just making sure I cover everything. So the flight patron um, has to go through customs. Um, flight pays for all of that. It's not that um, the flight patron has to pay for that, but um, flight organization pays for all customs fees, um, any of the duties that, you know, that, that are attached to the dogs that come into Canada. When the dogs are being brought to the airport in Ireland, um, they're not crated at that point. They're allowed to, you know, when they take them out of the, the, the van, they have a potty break. Um, the crates actually have to be scanned without the animals in them. And then we assemble the crates and the dogs are put in and then they're taken down to the loading area. So um, the, the process, even at the airport, can be quite extensive. I was going to say, do you have this down to a science now as far as what, how much time and, and making sure the dog's comfort is 100% and, and keeping them as calm and, um, you know, comfortable as possible while you're doing all this prep work right there at the airport? I think it's fair to say that um, our Irish um, colleagues have it down to a science. Um, they're pretty good at, you know, knowing the amount of time required and, um, you know, how best to get the dog in. Now, of course, it's important to note that the dog cannot be medicated in any way. Correct. Um, because they can't fly if they're medicated. And they get a light breakfast in the morning, very light, and, of course, there's no water in the crate. Um, so, you know, we try to make sure that they are as comfortable as possible for the voyage over. Great. Um, 
And then once they arrive in Canada, they're, they're cleared through customs. And that process, we're getting it down to a science, too. It's changed a little bit on the Canada side as to how we um, declare the dog, but mm-hmm. we're getting that organized, and I think it's a faster process now than it was before. Um, and then the dogs come out, and we actually um, take them out of their crate at that point in time. So there's always a welcoming party um, here in Canada um, at the airport. They've and got little signs and balloons. Uh, we don't, well, we had signs the first few times, but <laughs> now we know what to look for. Okay. No balloons. But we try to ensure that if we've got four dogs arriving, that we have at least one handler per animal, and then we have people that can help disassemble the crates, clean them if necessary, and get them stacked and then out so we can get them loaded into uh, the van. So, um, you know, we try to make sure that we have at least six to eight people um here on, on, in Canada to welcome the dog. Um, and so, again, it's, it's a science now. We get them out of their crates, make sure we've got leashes and collars on them, get them out to a potty area, give them a chance to stretch their legs a bit. Um, when dogs are coming to my group, as I say, it's based in Ottawa, we then have to load the dogs up into a vehicle and then we drive five hours from Toronto to Ottawa. Um, and then once we're here in Ottawa, I disperse them out to their foster home because um, flight dogs all have to go into foster homes to make sure we know what their personalities are like and to provide them with the best uh, home uh, once they're adopted as possible. Definitely. So, yeah, so that's sort of the process of getting them here. So it is very labor-intensive on both ends and lots of people involved. But we've done it enough times now that uh, we're getting it down, I think, pretty close to a client. Things always happen. There are you know, delays on the roadway sometimes or dealing with a customs agent that's never had to um, help, you know, have dogs declared. So sometimes we have a little hiccups. But, you know, when you have to... Sorry? Sorry about that. Um, when you have to go through customs, both in Ireland and the U.S., I mean, basically you're just saying, I have a dog. Or are there other things that are required? I mean, I've never uh, had experience with that, so I'm just kind of curious. What is declared when you have a dog in transport? Well, when you're bringing them in for adoption, um, we have to we have to ins- we have to show proof of rabies. So that is the, the, the requirement for them to come into Canada. It's proof of rabies, and that's included um, information that we've got. And then because they're coming in for adoption, we have to declare them as commercial, and then we have to pay a duty on it, on them. And, and that, that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, I've never had it happen where the dogs are taken out and examined. The customs agents are, you know, once they have the information that they require, they're pretty good about just, you know, we, we pay it and the dues, and then out we go. So it's pretty simple. It's interesting. And now, it's obviously, I know you mentioned that you were, you do get some funding from over in Ireland, but I'm, I'm sure not all costs are covered. If somebody was interested in helping out, uh, contributing to the organization to help bring these greyhounds over, uh, what, what could they do? Well, um, you're right. Uh, there is more funding that's required. So the entity flight we do as much fundraising as we can to help defray any costs. Um, but 
the adoption groups do have to pay a fee for the dog. So my group, the Greyhound Supporters, does have to reimburse flight um, for the dogs. And right now it's $450 Canadian for each dog. Um, but flight incurs costs. You know, we have crates. Um, we make sure that all of the dogs come with um, a martingale collar, a matching leash, um, and a muzzle. So all of those costs are covered by flight. So yeah, any you know any fundraising we can do to help defray costs, we do. And on the adoption group side, as I said, we uh, we reimburse flight for that. But we welcome donations. Um, and where would they send those donations? Costs. Sorry? And and is there a website or a, an email that you can share with our listeners if they would like to make a donation? Absolutely. So they can always send an email to uh, Tina. They would be sending it to. And sorry, I just have to get that. Oh, that's okay. Um, but one of the other costs that the Greyhound that the flight incurs is the flight patron. So. The flight patrons' costs are not covered by the um, IRGT, so we have to ensure that we cover that. Um, and, and that would be just their airfare back and forth, or? It, it's their airfare back and forth, and we've been very fortunate when flights are coming into Toronto. The uh, flight patron, if they don't already have a place to stay, can stay with uh, our, our founder, uh, Tina Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been very generous and allowing, you know, people to stay over with her. Um, but if it's Montreal or if Tina is not available, then there is a hotel that, that you know, has to be covered. So um, there is that. And the flight patrons' um, flight costs probably range in seven to $900 Canadian, depending upon the time of year. No, do you do you bring? Uh, there is. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, got a little delay here. Um, when you bring the uh, the dogs over from Ireland, do you, is there a time of season or, or time of year that you prefer, or is it just whenever dogs are available? We generally bring them starting in April and going to November. So some of our limitations are we um, are the airlines and when they'll allow dogs to be transported. So we have been working pretty much exclusively with one airline, um, and we can only bring four dogs over at a time, because that's all the number of dogs that the airline will um, allow. Um, So um, we usually, it depends upon the weather, but usually it's sort of March to November time frame. Now for those four dogs, and then there's two patrons. Uh, no, you can have one patron for four dogs. Okay. Yeah. We've had that. Um, it depends on, you know, how experienced the patron is as well. But when we're bringing dogs over, ideally we like to bring as many as possible because that helps, you know, keep our costs down. Um, and if anybody does want to make an, um, a donation, they can contact um, the Greyhound Trust Alliance, which is, the email is G-R-E-Y-H-O-U-N-D-G-R-U-S-D-A-L-L-I-A-N-C-E at gmail.com. So it's Greyhound Trust Alliance at gmail.com. I mean, that, and that's, 
I mean, it's remarkable what you're doing, and I know uh, a lot of people are probably interested, and as we had mentioned on the last show last week, that there is a shortage of greyhounds here in the United States for adoption. And I, I've had many groups contacting me. It's like, okay, how can we get involved? And because mm -hmm. there's groups that are, I was just hearing yesterday a group that they're sitting on 90 applications, approved applications, oh but no dogs. Uh, I know yep. of other groups with 80 applications, no dogs. And when we do come back from our break, uh, John, you can kind of maybe join in and a little more and tell us a little bit more what we here at GPA are trying to do to um, help out and get some more of these dogs over and uh, get some of these applications filled. And Sounds good. And then Laura can also tell us a little more about any adoption groups interested in, in joining the program, how they can take part. Yes. And that's all after our commercial break. And now, in the words of legendary Chicago FM radio personality Bobby Scafish, thank Ja, it's Friday. I'm Kathy, and you've entered Blondieville, where chocolate is the answer to every question. Be sure to like Greyhounds Make Great Pets, and that's spelled G-R-E-A-T, on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at GMGP Inc., and watch as we muddle our way through Instagram at GMGP3, and the 3 is the number 3. See Kicks live at Club XL in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania tomorrow night. And for our on-demand listeners, that would be June 15th. The show starts at 7 p.m. Visit kicksband.com to get Kicks concert info and tour updates. In less than one week, make sure you're in Abilene, Kansas, for the Heart of America Greyhound Gathering, starting June 20th through 22nd. Heart of America is the event that allows you to learn about the formative years and early training of your adopted X-Racing Greyhound, along with fun puppies, activities, puppies, speakers, puppies, a live auction, and, you guessed it, Greyhound puppies. Advanced online registration is now closed, but you can register at the door upon arrival. Heart of America Greyhound Gathering is a fundraiser for Halfway Home Greyhound Adoption in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Royce Images Photography in York, Pennsylvania offers a natural and realistic custom photography that captures the truest essence of your special moment. With an extensive portfolio featuring a unique and creative approach to any session, Royce Images can capture your engagement and wedding, family portraits, children and newborns, and pets too. You can arrange your commercial or product session as well as get new professional business photos. We all need those. With Royce Images, you truly can have it all. To schedule an appointment, contact Royce Images Photography at 717-887-4860 or visit their website or Facebook page. Be sure to attend the 31st Annual Greyhound Homecoming and Make Peace Picnic on Saturday, September 21st in Hopewell Township, New Jersey to benefit Make Peace with Animals, celebrating 31 years of helping greyhounds find their forever homes. Find out more by visiting their website at makepeacewithanimals.org. Greyhounds and sighthounds love attending the Dewey Gathering in Dewey Beach, Delaware, and you will too. It's the only free, fun, and fabulous event in Dewey, running from October 10th through October 14th, 2019. 
Visit the Dewey Gathering Events and Activities page or the Dewey Gathering Message Board, both on Facebook, to learn more. The Solvang Gathering is an annual event held in picturesque Solvang, California on January 9th through 12th, 2020. Plan ahead, people. It's a weekend filled with friendship and fellowship as sighthound owners come together for an event that truly focuses on the hounds of the world. Be sure to like and follow the Solvang Gathering on Facebook. The Dewey Gathering and the Solvang Gathering Hounds of the World are both sponsored by Greyhounds Make Great Pets. And that's what's happening in Blondieville this week. The GPA, that's Greyhound Pets of America. If you would like information on how you can adopt a nice racing greyhound, call 800-366-1472. These dogs are fit, healthy, happy, playful pets, good with children, and oh, do they love lots of hugs. Adopt a cool greyhound today. Call 800-366-1472. You are listening to Greyhounds Make Great Pets with Rory, TJ, and Kathy. To find out more about the show and what we do, please send an email to gmgp3 at yahoo.com. That's gmgp3 at yahoo.com. Now, back to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. I'd like to welcome back all our listeners to GMGP. Uh, we are speaking today with Laura Zimmerman, who is a founding member of Flight, Finding Loving Irish Greyhounds Homes Together. And before we get back with Laura uh, and our stand-in co-host, John Parker, uh, it is now time for... What the hell? I take safety seriously. We have people's lives, horses' lives at risk, and if, if we're not taking safety seriously, what the hell? And that is time for what the hell? What the hell? I don't have anything today. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. So let's. Uh, <laughs> I love when you just throw me that curveball. Um, we're <laughs> going to bring back our guest. You know, you know I, I did have to earlier when I knew Laura, you were done. No, <laughs> when Laura was talking about coming up with the, the name, and they had the letters, and then they had to find something for every letter. Years ago. When I started my first Greyhound adoption program, I was coming up with, I was just going to call it Greyhound. And I could come up with something for G-R-E. Every time I got to the Y, the only thing I could come up with was Yahoo. (laughs) And it just wasn't going to work out. So eventually I had to just throw that idea away and start all over and come up with a whole new name that didn't have a Y in it. There you go. So, (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'd like to welcome back our guest, Laura Zimmerman uh, of Flight. And our, as I said, our stand-in uh, co-host for this week, John Parker from Georgia. Um, bum, bum, bum. Okay, well, Laura, well, let's throw it back to... Well, yes, well his co-host today, I, I do want to talk a little bit now, because I mentioned before we went to break, that there's a lot of groups uh, short on dogs, and uh, we're working on trying to figure out ways to start getting in some of these dogs over here. And first, I want to say to the groups out there, I know there are groups considering shutting their doors. It's a fact of life right now. I would just ask these groups to maybe give some consideration to not fully shutting down, but if, they can't, if they're not able to do anything right now, 
At least just go kind of into hibernation. It's not that hard to just file every year the, the little paperwork you'd have to do with the state or the IRS. Because if something were to happen, all of a sudden there's a growth of greyhound racing, let's say in Mexico or somewhere else, or even if we're able to start bringing in these Irish greyhounds in mass, we still need our network that we have today to help out. So, you know, just don't think that, oh, there's no greyhounds. My only option is to shut down. There, we are looking at ways to try to bring in more of these Irish greyhounds and also thinking down the road, what happens if greyhound racing expands elsewhere? I predicted in tw uh, 2012 that if they start getting greyhound racing shut down here in the United States, Greyhound racing was going to expand elsewhere, outside of the U.S. jurisdiction. It's just a fact of life. Those who are looking to shut down racing don't want you to know it, but it's going to happen. So we still need, there is still a need right now to keep that network somewhat in working order. So if there is, a, you know, all of a sudden a bunch of dogs we need to take care of, we have this network. And with that, John, you know, we've had a lot of discussions about uh, working on this. Um, can you kind of give us a little update? Uh, I know it's been, it's been a rough road um, trying to figure out how to get these dogs over, but can you give our listeners a little update uh, where we're at, what we're trying to do? Sure. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of our listeners may not know that there, there's basically two ways to bring a greyhound or any other dog over from Ireland or England. Uh, one is checked baggage. Uh, accompanying a passenger, which is what Laura was talking about with, uh, with the airline they use, Air Transat. Uh, that's typically a little less expensive, but then, of course, you have to pay for the, the human's fare as well. So that's one way, is check baggage. Another way is as cargo. Now, it's, it, it sounds like it's a big difference. It's absolutely no difference to the dog. They fly in the same crates, in the same uh, pressurized and, and climate-controlled compartments in the, in the plane, uh, but it costs a little more, but you don't have to pay for the human aspect. So what we're looking at right now is trying to expand the concept uh, from one airline and flying with the dogs flying as check baggage to maybe several airlines uh, with the dogs flying as both check baggage in some instances as, and as cargo uh, in others. Uh, we've um, One of the airlines we've kind of focused on is uh, Aer Lingus, which is the national airline of, of Ireland, and because they fly into more um, uh, U.S. airports. They fly into, uh, for example, Boston, Orlando, Florida, and, and several other airports throughout the United States. And so we're, we're, in, we're talking with them. We've got on our, our team, in addition to Laura and Tina and um, the GPA national officers, a fellow named Barry Coleman, who's the racing operations manager for the Irish Greyhound Board, and he's a he's an active participant in their welfare uh, function. And so uh, we've had a, a conference call or two, exchanged some emails and so forth. And he's right now in the process of of speaking with uh, Aer Lingus Cargo about the possibility of uh, you know a a, a, a highly discounted cargo rate because of the volume that we think we can we can promise them in the way of uh, you know pet cargo business um, and so those talks are ongoing right now and what we hope is that we can we can begin to do it on a, on a fairly large scale uh, into airports uh, on the east eastern coast 
uh, of uh, starting with the eastern coast of uh, the United States. And that, that's going to take the same kind of effort that Laura was mentioning. You've got to have people there. Uh, they don't have a passenger accompanying them when they fly cargo. So you have to have people there to get to the cargo terminal to make sure they're there when the dogs, as soon as the dogs are brought there from the planes, get them out, get them walk, et cetera, and then get them to wherever they may, they may, they may be going. So there's going to be a, you know, a good bit of coordination on that. And so the big challenge is the startup aspect, which is where we are now, is trying to get these financial arrangements made uh, with, uh, with Aer Lingus to begin with, and then hopefully some other airlines that, that fly to and from Ireland, from the U.S. And so once we get those arrangements made, it should be, uh, you know, the next step is just uh, getting the, the arrangements made to, to be brought to the airport in Ireland and then met here in Boston or Orlando or wherever it may be. Yeah, and I do remember one of those conference calls when they asked us, you know, well, how many Greyhounds could you take right now? And I, I think the answer was, well, if you sent us 500 right now, they'd be gone by the weekend. And I, I remember yeah, he, was, he was just floored. Right. It's like, no, really, they would be uh, with all the yeah, applicants. I think Barry didn't quite believe us at yeah. first when we said that. <laughs> and, and, and now his job is to convince the airlines that, yeah, this is, this, this is a high-volume potential for you for your cargo operation. Yeah, yeah, we're not making this up. And we can take as many dogs as they can send us. Right. And just for our listeners, uh, just so they know, uh, no, I'm not joking. If we can get this going, I'm looking to where hopefully we could bring in, you know, two to 5,000 greyhounds a year to, to help out here, especially as there's fewer greyhounds for adoption, you know, here from our tracks in the United States. Right. And these, just as a reminder to everyone, these are uh, or would be X racing greyhounds. Correct. We're not bringing over anything else but X racers. Well, that you brought up a good point there. I did have a few people saying, "Well, you're Greyhound Pets of America. How can you be doing this?" It's like, well, our bylaws say we adopt out X racing greyhounds. It did not state that we adopt out X racing greyhounds only from the United States. If it did that, there's no way we would have been years ago working with uh, Caliente Track down in uh, Tijuana, Mexico. Exactly. Those, you know, that was another country. So, yes, and these are, you know, I said I've had a Irish greyhound, full-blooded Irish greyhound in my house. We have a couple right now that are half yeah. Irish, and they're just as great as our dogs here. And there is definitely a need, I believe, to, you know, help bring them over. And also, um, you know, John, I think we've also had some discussions of working, and I think uh, Laura, you guys are doing some, also not just helping to take the dogs, but maybe working and helping them out with uh, how we did adoption over here and got to a point where we're pretty much at a close to 100% adoption rate. Is that correct? Yes, that would be something that would be lovely we could achieve. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because if, if you can help them adopt out more and we can take more here, eventually, you know, it's, it's a win-win for all of us in, in greyhound adoption, whether it's an Irish greyhound or whether it's a United States greyhound. Uh, Laura, can you tell us um, about, and, and if you don't know, that's understandable. I'm hitting you with a crazy question here. Do you know how many adoption groups are active currently in Ireland? Uh, no, I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. But it's important to know that there aren't a lot of um, a greyhound-only adoption groups. Okay. Um, a lot of the adoptions of retired racing greyhounds that currently happen in Ireland are done through sort of more generic um, rehoming organizations. 
And it, you know, not just specifically greyhound oriented. Is it just because it hasn't um, gotten a foothold, or is it that is how things are done in Ireland? I think it's more they haven't got a foothold. The the concept of adopting a retired racing greyhounds in Ireland is really uh, only about ten years old, I guess. Um, so there has certainly been a, a growth in that idea, but it is you know it's slow. Do do you find that over there, maybe, because I know here in the United States, years and years ago, there was a myth that the, the greyhound was vicious, that it didn't do well with anything, and they weren't really an adoptable dog. Uh, are they maybe dealing with that type of issue, too, right now, that you know, there's been some claims they're not really an adoptable dog? I think, yes, they're dealing with that issue, and I think the other thing is there's... Um, a greater demand in Ireland for smaller dogs. Um, so you see more small dogs in homes than you see a large greyhound in a, in a home. That is what's funny because, you know, while the greyhound is a large dog, you know, in the house. They fold up nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, then, but, then, <laughs> but then they get out there. Well, it's like our Sasha. He can find it. Well, he's a tiny boy for a greyhound, but he can find the smallest little place between us to drop down and say, how did you fit in there? And then he stretches out and I have a foot in my nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I you know, I, I think, you know, the, the relationship working together, that's what we really need to strive to do. And, you know, so that we can, you know, start getting more greyhounds adopted and help them also place more greyhounds locally uh, continue working on this because it's not something that you know is going to just go away. It's it's something we were, we need to work together on. And I know, you know, I can say if you when you assemble a good team, some great things are going to happen. And I know on the GPA side, the team we have and the interest and in the work that they're putting into it, uh, I do believe we will eventually achieve this because it's it's a worthwhile goal and the people working on it. Uh, you know, John um, is constantly working on you know, on the flight issues, bringing the dogs over. And I think at some point in time, we will be able to announce, you know, we've got it done. We're going to start bringing dogs over. Uh, so, uh, Laura, for, uh, is there something, a group who's maybe interested in, you know, before we start bringing the mass halls over, which I, <laughs> I'm predicting we will at some point in time. Well, Laura's group would have to okay those they, groups. Ha they would have to okay that. But um, they w is there a process that they would need to go through with you guys to, you know, kind of start working through that? Yes, yeah, so if there is a group that's interested in becoming uh, part of Flight, then they would have to email us, uh, again, greyhoundtrustalliance at gmail.com and start the process. Um, when we're looking at adoption groups, and it's, it's important to know that Flight only can do this if we have adoption groups to work with, because Flight itself is not an adoption group. So we are looking for established adoption groups that have a well-established foster program that allows for a safety net in the event of dog having to be returned to the adoption group. Um, they, this adoption group also has to have um, either a home visit uh, or a questions and answer meeting that is run by the adoption group that's part of their adoption process, their approval process. So um, we want to make sure that, you know, the adoption group already has that kind of thing in place. The adoption group has to be racing neutral or pro-racing. 
And also, the adoption group has to be identified as a responsible adoption group endorsed by the National Greyhound Association. So, if there is an adoption group that's interested and they meet those criteria, then it's simply a matter of contacting us, again, at greyhoundtrustalliance at gmail.com. And we will have some questions and, um, you know, we can look at vetting them. That's awesome. Yep, I yeah. think I think there's a lot of groups out there that have already expressed interest. I know when we're at events, you know, we've just chatted with people, and they're very interested. I know some groups have said, "Well, our charters uh, only say you know we can do X racers," and like you said with GPA, you know, well, yes, these are X racing greyhounds that are retired and need a need a couch. Right. Well, and you just brought yeah. up a good question. They're um about X Racing Greyhounds, they do have over in Ireland the uh, Racing Greyhound, but they also have the Coursing Greyhound. Well, I bet John can tell us a little well, more on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be happy to. And, and uh, Tina tells me that uh, they have brought a few Coursing Greyhounds over. The, the, the Coursing Greyhounds in Ireland, uh, Ireland is a. It, Coursing is still practiced in Ireland. It's mostly what's called park coursing or enclosed coursing, but it's a pretty popular sport. And there's a lot of coursing greyhounds have racing blood in them and vice versa. So there's still some interbreeding between the two segments of the breed. They're, they're every bit as lovely as racing greyhounds in terms of temperament and the qualities of the pets they make and, and so forth. They tend to be just a little bit bigger than your typical racing greyhound, but um, uh, I've, I've brought over some English coursing greyhounds who had some Irish blood, by the way, and you know you, you really can't. I could I could stand them up in front of you and have you interact with them, and you wouldn't be able to tell, you know, which one was the coursing and which one was the racing. <laughs> and Laura, I know you all have made some contacts over there with the coursing greyhound community, some of whom also are active in racing as well. Can you tell us a little bit how you came to have your contacts with the the coursing folks? Well, as a matter of fact, the lady that we've had um, most of our contact with, Bridget, she raises and races coursing greyhounds herself. And so both coursing greyhounds and flat track, or the oval track racing greyhounds, are part of the Irish Retired Greyhound Trust. Um, so we're looking at, you know, when we ask for dogs, we don't indicate whether or not we want flat track racers or coursers. It's just what dogs are available that meet our criteria um, and can come to Canada. So, uh, as a matter of fact, I happen to have a foster dog from Ireland right now, and uh, she is an ex-courser. She's also an ex-bird mama. Um, but this last transport that we brought in on June 1st, there was three coursing greyhounds and only one flat track racer. Um, and you're right, the coursing greyhounds tend to be a little bit bigger, are so they the more like um, AKC greyhounds, a little bit? Or? No, no, not, not really like, in that sense. They tend to be a little stockier, I think. Oh, okay. When you say, yeah. Laura, that they're, yeah, they're they, not. They, they don't have the, the. Well, the boys can be bigger. They can be taller. So um, the two coursing females that we brought in, they're both seventy-five pounds. That's a good size um, female. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, I saw one in Ireland. She was two years old, and she was 83 pounds. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the boy that we brought in, the coursing boy that we brought in, he's probably, oh, he's going to be 90 pounds. Easy. Wow. Yeah. So they're, 
they can be quite tall, but they are built just a little, um, how to say, their, their backhand tends to be a little stockier. Okay. I use the football analogy and say the coursing greyhounds are kind of built like a linebacker, whereas the racing greyhounds are more like your wide receiver. Mm. <laughs> uh, the coursing greyhounds are built for uh, park coursing values straight ahead, straight line speed of about 300 to 400 yards, and they are yeah. blazingly fast at those yeah. distances. And so um, uh, they tend that what gets you that speed is a little bit more size. And so they, mm-hmm. that's why they tend to be, uh, you know, bred a little bigger. They're raised very similarly to way, the way racing greyhounds are in Ireland. Same kinds of kennels and so forth. They're all registered with the same registry, the Irish Coursing Club, the ICC. And so, um, again, you know, there's, you can look at any coursing or any racing uh, greyhound over there, and there's pretty good chance that they're going to have a little of both uh, ancestry uh, in their pedigree. Now, is it true over there, too, that some of the, you know, what we know over here in the United States as farms, um, over there that it's more maybe some smaller where they're actually kind of raised at the house with the people, um, you know, not where there's some big barn out back where they've, you know, got 50, 60 dogs in that they're more family-oriented? I mean, the ones, well, we- yes, the ones I've been to were, were you know, you don't have the big farms uh, that, you know, you wouldn't, I don't think I ever have heard of one where you might have 200 greyhounds, adults and puppies on the grounds. You know, they're more in the 30, 40, 50 range in terms of the size of their kennels and their paddocks and so forth. Yeah, when we were in Ireland, Tina and I visited um, a kennel that probably actually they do course in Greyhounds and they probably had 200 dogs. Easy. Um, we oh. also visited a farm, the biggest farm in Ireland, and um, they did the flat track racers. Um, and again, probably over 200 dogs. But yeah, I think there are the majority of them are smaller, more farm-like, and some of the dogs that we've brought over um, have had time in the house, so they might be sort of rotated through, um, but some of them had already had time in the house, so it wasn't their first time coming in. So they already knew where the counters were. (laughs) They knew where the counters were, and they also knew where the coaches were. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) So much for breaking that habit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, not, not a habit I break in my house. <laughs> yeah, I, I love when when Rory and I will adopt a a new greyhound, and I foolishly set down the firm rules: no bed. Because while well, we've been kind of fortunate up until this week that nobody's discovered any of the uh, furniture, um, but the mm-hmm. no bed rule usually lasts about mm, thirty minutes tops. <laughs> well, the the no bed rule with uh, Sasha when we adopted him as a. Uh, he was, what, just 18 months old as a puppy? No, 14. 14 months. The first night in the hotel, we put him in his... His little pen, his pen, ex-pen. And, you know, he immediately hops over the fence, so I tried to do some other stuff, and he immediately hops over the fence. So I put a bed down, down by our bed, and he plops down on that, and within minutes, he's up on the big bed. Well, that's because he had a squeaky toy and he had to play. Yeah. <laughs> now, and, and these dogs, too, the Irish Greyhounds, just like ours here in the United States, so all many of us, um, I know, John, you've done it, Laura, you probably have done it, taking a dog straight from the farm or straight from the track and and or straight from an adoption program and you've had really no issues these um these dogs uh, if you come over from ireland would probably have have no issues also adjusting right into the home life with us right yeah i would say that um 
I mean, there's always the odd one that might have a little bit of separation anxiety or something like that. But, you know, adapted to home life, there's, they have no problems with that whatsoever. And it goes back a little bit to with uh, last week's show. And, John, I don't know if you want to interject on what really makes these greyhounds a great pet. And I, I go with it's, it's the, the way they were raised with their litter mates and their mom and then the, the care that they get going forward till they come to adoption. They weren't bred to be pets, but what they go through makes them a great pet. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's, that's undeniably true. And, it, and, it, and, and they, you know, it almost seems uh, from almost any kind of rearing to be a sporting or working dog like that, whether it's Ireland or England, and they're raised a little differently over there in many instances, they still are great pets, you know. And so it's this idea of uh, some reg- uh, regular schedule. They're, they have expectations of them. They're, they're raised by dog-savvy people. And I think that's all adds up to being, even though they're not bred to be pets, they just it's just a wonderful coincidence that they are great pets. Excellent. And we just got a few minutes left, but um, Laura, could you give everyone the information to how they could contact you guys again? Absolutely. So they can contact us at greyhoundtrustalliance at gmail.com. So it's G-R-E-Y-H-O-U-N-D T-R-U-S-T a-L-L-I-A-N-C-E, all one word, of course, at gmail.com. Excellent. And, and we will keep... Of, oh. Go ahead. And we will uh, keep our listeners uh, up to date as to how the program is expanding on Greyhounds Make Great Pets uh, Facebook page and also Greyhound Pets of America Facebook page. And yeah. also, Laura, do you uh, does Flight have a uh, website or Facebook page we can direct everybody to uh, in the interim? Uh, there is definitely a... Facebook page as well as a website, um, and of course, I don't have that. I, I bet they'll me. be called Flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. For flight. That's yeah, that's pretty easy. All uppercase letters, right, Laura? That's correct. Yeah. And, and by the way, you guys have a very cute little logo. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I look at those kind of things. And I, I know if I want to just encourage our listeners, if you are able to um, maybe not adopt but would love to contribute and help out because this is going to be a costly endeavor and we do want to get this uh, done. And um, if you want to make a contribution, you know, you can contact Flight Help out there or uh, you can contact Greyhound Pets of America at greyhoundpets.org. Um, and make a contribution there and tell them that you want this to be for the Irish Greyhound program or flight, and we will make sure it's uh, reserved for that. As, as time goes on and we start getting closer to when uh, John calls me and says, Barry's struck the deal, we can uh, book a flight. Get our passports and yeah. off we go. <laughs> I, uh, we, we, we will need to have some money ready to go for that. Um, so, again... You can contact Flight or you can contact Greyhound Pets of America um, at greyhoundpets.org. Let us know that you want to make a contribution to the Irish Greyhounds or to Flight, and we will get that done. I want to thank everyone for participating today. Everyone, hug those hounds of the world. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening this week to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. 
Please join your hosts, Rory Goray, TJ Beter, and Kathy Goray for another edition of our program next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a wonderful week.